guess. Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Damon Cotton. And boy, do we have a good show for you today. I mean, there is so much to talk about in the world of boxing, professional wrestling, and MMA, as there is every week. But this week, it's got a special twist because we've got something that I've been waiting for. This is exactly what i've been waiting for and that's got something to do with jake paul as he's announced a fight recently the ufc is going to be in paris this weekend for the first time for a ufc fight night ufc is definitely global and they've got cyril Gan, the big heavyweight from paris france he's going to be defending the home country with the first event here in the ufc in france so that's also going to be exciting to watch and yes this weekend is also time for all out in AEW. But speaking of boxing and the world of professional boxing, last weekend here in Nevada was the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. So not only was it the 2022 class and the 2021 class, but due to COVID, we also got the induction of three classes from 2020 to 2021 to 2022 in the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. I mean, you got to see Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather was there, just a who's who of the boxing world that was getting inducted because Vegas is the fight capital of the world. So for that Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, I'm not going to speak for these fighters and say how much it means, but I do know how much Vegas means to the fight world where, where you get that big fight here in Vegas, especially in boxing. I've had people tell me, hey, man, if you want to if you want me to come on the show just to talk old school Vegas boxing, I don't really keep up with the current stuff too much. But I'll come and just talk about old school Vegas boxing. And it's, hey, man, yes, because it's so much history here in Vegas with boxing. So it was just good to see. I, I didn't attend the event myself, but just good to see the pictures and videos that came out of it. It's just, hey, man, look at that. Or, oh, remember that guy? Just so fun to see when it comes to boxing here in Nevada. And I may have to get someone on, maybe eventually, to talk some old school Vegas boxing, the atmosphere as fights were building, how it was such a big city event, something that a big fight would just take over the city. And we've seen that recently in the past years, but I'm sure it doesn't hold a candle to what it used to be. And also someone that's making waves in boxing. Let's talk about Jake Paul. As Jake Paul, the, the former fight in MSG was supposed to take place. We didn't get it. At first, it was supposed to be Tommy Fury, the younger brother of Tyson Fury. That didn't happen. Something with the um, something with his immigration status, getting a visa, he couldn't come over, and it's just a back and forth, a back and forth, a war of words between these two. And we really weren't able to get an answer there. But Jake Paul, he finds a last-minute replacement. The name is escaping me now, but hey, this guy, he's not going to make weight, so we're going to call it off. And that led many to speculate, even Dana White, to say, hey, I just think that they didn't have the tick. They weren't able to pull off the sales that you have to pull off to compete inside of MSG. MSG isn't cheap. You can't just put your face on the outside of MSG and then say, if we build it, we'll come. I don't think Jake Paul is that big of a star off name alone to sell out MSG 
this early in his boxing career. But earlier this week, Jake Paul surprised many, including myself, when he announced that he's going to be taking on Anderson the Spider Silva on October 29th. Now, this is going to be a major step up, major step up in competition for Jake Paul. Because I know it's, hey, what do you mean? He's just fighting another MMA fighter who's past his prime. And yes, he did beat Woodley. Yes, knocked him out in spectacular fashion in the second time. You've got to give Jake Paul all the credit in the world when it comes to getting those knockouts. But Anderson Silva's just different. This is one of the best strikers in MMA history. Now, I don't care how old he is, but you just when you're a fighter that's seen that much champ that many championship fights, still holds records in the UFC for how many defenses that he had simultaneously. I think that this is just different. That step up in competition is just different with Anderson Silva. It's no joke. We've seen him knock guys out going backwards. And I know this is all going to be different when we see him in a boxing ring. But that's that's the beauty of this. Anderson Silva has also been boxing. If you haven't been keeping up with him, sure, retired from the UFC, UFC Hall of Famer. But he's still got that itch to compete, and he has also been boxing. After Anderson Silva's last um, win in the boxing ring, I remember seeing tweets of people saying, hey, I want to see him fight Chavez Jr. next because that would be someone maybe in the same weight class they could make this work. And those are professional former title holders that people are saying, hey, let's see Anderson Silva take a crack at next. Now he's going to take on Jake Paul. There are even rumors that maybe it could be Anderson Silva and Roy Jones Jr. I don't know how much money that would have drawn to see two old guys go at it, but to see him take on Jake Paul, this is going to be so exciting for me. Because Jake Paul is now putting his money where his mouth is. And I know some people say, who's he really fault? And I know we can run down the list. A former slam dunk champion. He knocks him out cold. A UFC, a former UFC champion that was known as a wrestler, not really for his knockout power. A former UFC fighter whose biggest career highlight is getting knocked out within the first five seconds of the fight. And YouTubers. But you can't knock Jake Paul just yet because he's had to step up in competition so far every time and he wants the challenge so I think it's time to dispel the notion that he's only doing this as a bit as a prank he's really real about fighting and you got to give Jake Paul that credit just for stepping into the ring he's going to sign this fight with Anderson Silva and if you would have told me a few years back that hey Jake Paul is going to shock the boxing world he's going to try to make boxing something Make it into something that it's not. I would have thought, yeah, as a goof, he's only kidding around. Yeah, he's a guy who wants he can train with Ryan Garcia all he wants and make a YouTube video, and it'll look cool, and it'll get his views. But he's not a real boxer. But he's putting that time, he's putting that effort, and he's showing me, hey. And he's showing me that, hey, this guy can really do it. And, oh, man, I was talking about the, the fights on Twitter, and I just looked it up. It was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Anderson Silva did get a win in 2017. Oh, man, I was just going back and looking at Anderson Silva's boxing career. And we know that Jake Paul, Anderson Silva fought at 185. Jake Paul has been reported around 190 to 205 in that cruiserweight area. That's where he wants to fight. So we're just going to have to see what's the weight going to be because, man, Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, that's really got me jazzed up to start the show. And that is just something that I had to bring to your attention because hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter at Demon underscore the boss. You can call into the show at 702-221-8900.
888-888-8282 if you want to be a part of the show and give me your thoughts because professional boxing it's fun last week we were able to talk about the heavyweight title fight of the world Hey, is Tyson Fury, is he going to fight Alexander Usyk next? We, we were able to talk about the big fights that make boxing go around. Heavyweight title fights, obviously, made one of the most important divisions in all of boxing. But the sideshow boxing as well. It's really, it's really starting to get my attention more than it did just a few years ago before we knew this. Hey, Mike Tyson, is he coming back? I would love to see who Mike Tyson would fight in a comeback fight. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell, that sideshow of a fight that's going to take place in L.A. soon. Do I want to see it? Yes, and I don't know why. But you're telling me that you've got Jake Paul and he's going to be fighting Anderson Silva. And, like, do I want to see it? Yes, 1,000% I want to see it. Logan Paul in WWE, I don't know what it is. And people can make fun of me, yes. The former intern Toby used to make fun of me for this. Like, why are you so invested in Logan and Jake Paul and what they do? I don't have an actual answer for you. I just like it. Whatever they're doing, I think it is. It's the hype of these guys. I want to see them lose. I want to see the. I want to be the ha ha. He doesn't have what it takes to get in there with a professional and win a fight. But he keeps proving me wrong, and that just keeps drawing my anticipation for what's going to happen next. I want to see the fight where he loses, and maybe it is going to be with Anderson Silva. But I just haven't seen it yet, and it's something that I'm looking forward to. October 29th, I don't know if you're in, but I'm all in. And when we come back, we're going to talk about UFC Fight Night in Paris this weekend. Don't go anywhere. This is The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game. All right, and we are back here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. And now it's time to talk about UFC fight night paris just a little bit as we got the headline fight we've got the main event of cyril gone versus two tai tuivasa excuse me tai tuivasa you know the king of the shoey i mean come on this is going to be a heavyweight fight that is really going to deliver so this could be a number one contenders fight as we've got the number one ranked and the number three ranked heavyweight in the division going off but we just don't know technically when the heavyweight champion is going to come back, if he's going to sign back to the promotion with Francis Ngannou, John Jones, is he coming back? Are they going to get that fight done between John Jones and Francis Ngannou? Or, do you, or does the UFC put in a call to Stipe and they say, hey, man, it's the John Jones fight. We know you've hung him up, but just out of the curiosity to prove your your fighting strength, just your all-time curiosity, could you beat John Jones? Maybe that could get Stipe you know, out of retirement to come back and fight John Jones. And maybe that could be an interim title fight here. Because when you have two guys that are in the top three of the division and there's nothing really that they're fighting for, obviously you're fighting for the win, you're fighting for the check, but what are they fighting for when there's such a log jam at the top of the division and this is a fight that is looking like a number one contenders match, but we don't know if you win this fight, what would be next for either fighter. Cyril Gaon, earlier in the year, took on Francis for that heavyweight championship, and it was his crowning moment. He could have played spoiler to the heavyweight champion. He could have been a darling to the UFC. You get this win over Francis, and then your first defense could have been here in Paris, and this is probably would have been a pay-per-view card instead of a fight night. 
but wasn't able to get the job done. Francis Ngannou really came out with some wrestling skills that we were not expecting to see as he took on Cyril Gan. And Cyril Gan is a great striker in the heavyweight division. Maybe some of the best stand-up. But going up against Tai Tuivasa, this is going to be interesting. Both guys were able to stop Derek Lewis when they fought him recently. Both guys that we know have heavy hands. But with Tai Tuivasa, there is just something different about this man where you see him and obviously you can make the jokes. This guy, he doesn't look like a fighter. Is he going to be able to drop down to the 265-pound weight limit that the UFC has for its heavyweights? But I do know this is that the man has hands and the man can strike with anyone. So they both passed the test of do they belong at the top of the heavyweight division. But with this main event, what really baffles me, what boggles the mind is, I don't know what's going to be next for the winner. Now, if I were to speculate, I know that the UFC, they want to finish out the year with Francis and John Jones. And I know this fight hasn't even happened yet, but I'm already moving to what's going to be next because I love the speculation train. I love to talk about what's going to be next in the title picture in the UFC. But make no doubt, without, without any doubt about it, this is going to be a tremendous fight. And I am saying that this fight, it's going to end in a knockout. This is not going the full five rounds. With two guys like this, this fight is not going to a finish. But let's say if one of these guys gets the knockout in impressive fashion, either it'd be Cyril Gan or Tai Tuivasa. What would be next for either fighter? In a perfect world for me, I would like to see John Jones, Francis Ngannou, finish out the year. I don't care how it gets done. I just want to see it get. I just want to see it get done. And then next summer, we have a heavyweight championship fight between the winner of this and the winner of John Jones, or Francis Ngannou, or Stipe. Because this has to be a number one contender's fight. You have to tell the winner of this fight here this Saturday, hey, no matter what shakes out in the title picture by the end of the year, you've got the next shot, or the next shot at an interim title in the heavyweight division. And I know Cyril Gan, he already had his shot earlier this year, but at least for Tai Tuivasa, you know, this guy's been knocking on the door for a while now in the UFC heavyweight division, and you've got to give him something. You know, he's just been winning and winning and winning. And I've heard him on earlier interviews, and he said that John Jones is one of his favorite fighters of all time. He would love to fight John Jones, and I would love to see that happen as well. Tai Tuivasa, John Jones, it's not a dream match, but it would be something that it it would be so fun to watch those two contrasting styles go at it inside the UFC octagon. Now to the co-main event. We've got Robert Whitaker, number one middleweight, versus Marvin Vittori. And the UFC is really keeping, you know, that international flavor here. We've got Whitaker from Australia, Vittori from Italy. And this is also going to be an interesting fight in the middleweight division that says, hey, after... Anderson, excuse me, not Anderson Silva, was talking about him early in the show, middleweight goat there. After Israel Adesanya and Alex Perea, what's going to happen in the middleweight division as well? Because for me in this fight, I'm taking Robert Whitaker. Minus 230, Robert Whitaker in the middleweight division. What's going to happen for him next in the middleweight division after this fight? Only time can tell because, like I just said, 
I love to go a little bit ahead of time. Let's speculate what's going to be next for this middleweight division. As you have Edward Asanya and Alex Perea. And that's going to be a banger of a fight as well. But in UFC Fight Night Paris, with Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori, I do think that Vittori's going to have to come out and try to put some pressure on him. He's going to try to have to take him down. But Robert Whitaker, great defense when it comes to defending the takedown. So I don't really see how this fight's going to end. I know in the main event, like I said, I think the main event's going to end in a knockout. But here in the co-main event, this middleweight bout between one and two in the middleweight division with Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. I'm going to go Whitaker by decision. And if you want some fun picks just throughout the rest of the card here, on the prelims card, you've got Joaquin Buckley back in action. Joaquin Buckley back in action in the middleweight division, plus 215. He's fighting Nazardine Amayov. And I'm saying he is the underdog here. So if you want to take a little underdog for me, it's going to be Joaquin Buckley. And he's fighting on the prelims. That's going to be something interesting to watch. Big fan of him after that incredible victory that he had last year in the octagon. So I really just want to see him continue to rise up the ranks. And when we come back, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to be talking a little AEW as All Out is around the corner. A little WWE, Triple H, is the honeymoon phase over? I keep riding it out and saying that it is because there's so much good action in WWE. We've got Cam Hawkins from The Ringer joining us next to talk all things wrestling here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Demond Cotton. All right, and we are back here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game, and I am pleased to introduce my next guest from The Ringer, Cam Hawkins, as you're going to be doing some wrestling coverage there now. First off, tell me, how does it feel to be a part of The Ringer Network right now? I'm not even, that introduction is crazy. I'm still not used to that. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool feeling. Um, you know, this is something I've been working toward for a very long time and don't know if things are going to work out or when they're going to work out. Yeah, you know, I'm under under that umbrella now with a bunch of people I look up to and respect, There's, you know, people who books I have on my coffee table. And so now to kind of be um, part of that team is really, really cool. It's a blessing. Um, I feel uh, really humbled. And I hate when people say stuff like that, like I feel humbled and appreciative. But no, I really do. Like I didn't see this as something that was going to happen for me. And so now that it's changed, I'm just, I'm amazed and stunned. And it's, it's the coolest thing in the world right now. It really is. Oh, man, yeah, man. T yeah, take those flowers while you can get them. And I mean, the, the entire team over there, Cass to Shoemaker, Evan Mack, a former guest on the show. I mean, they really do big things. For me, when it comes to wrestling coverage, the ringers where it's at, e even Cheap Heat, when it comes to, like, all the podcasts they put out, man. So you're in some real good company there. And the first one out of the gate, you pull off a banger, Ricky Starks. Tell me what that experience was like getting together with Ricky Starks because, man, he is the future in AEW. Yeah, so um, it was—it's almost like cheating, right? This is uh, this is unknowingly a story I've been writing for a year. You know, um, Rick and I like are—we hang out in real life, and so you know we get together and we talk about work 
as it were. I'm talking about my job. He talks about his. But, um, you know, we never worked on, like, a podcast or a story or anything together. But when it was time to really do a project, uh, you know, for The Ringer, he was the first person I thought of. And when we got together and had a conversation, we did, like, a full 45-minute interview just talking. And everything was kind of stuff we had already talked about, stuff that was on my mind. And so, um, you know, watching him over the last year, who he's really developed into, um, and getting to tell that story was great. It's like, uh, you know, it's like helping your homie write a resume, man. It's like it's like when they call you and uh, ask for one of his references when he's getting a job is what it felt like. It was great. Um, just uh, being able to talk about something I knew about, but also having a backdrop to work with, like while I was putting those words to paper, it was great. It was really fun. Yeah, you mentioned that you're already friends with him outside of the ring. So with the relationship that you have with some of the wrestlers, I see it on Twitter, you are first and foremost, before I even knew you as a writer about wrestling or a personality, just, man, this dude's just fun on Twitter. So how does that relationship that you have with so many wrestlers come about? I think um, there are some people who, like, people I've worked under, so it's certainly not, like, a knock to them, but there are some people who reach out to wrestlers for news and scoops and what's going on backstage and stuff like that. I've never been that person. Like, I'm very much, like, I think what you do is dope. Um, I'm a fan, you know, maybe we'll be at, like, the same bar or the same party. Um, and, you know, we just hang out and kick it. I ask them how they do it. I go about my business. You know, it's never really – I've never introduced myself to a wrestler to talk about wrestling, and I think that they appreciate that energy. Like, just being a guy who likes to hang out, guy who likes to have a drink, guy who likes to joke around. And so, like, when I went to uh, Dallas for WrestleMania weekend and was talking with the Wale Mania stuff, it was just a lot of love from, oh, like, I get down with you. Like, the way you tweet is the way that I talk. And that's the stuff I joke about. That's the stuff I like. So, it was always just a, here's somebody who kind of works adjacent to what I do, but is also just a guy. I think being a regular, relatable person, it's helped put me in a lot of work. All right, and again, we're talking to Cam Hawkins. That's at Seahawk on Twitter if you want to give him a follow on Twitter. So with All Out coming out, we're going to just take the the macro view of AEW right now. Before we go into the card, what have you thought about AEW specifically since the changes happened over in WWE? Because now I feel like with the WWE changing with Triple H now having the pencil, it's put more fire under AEW. So you can't just say, hey, we're the alternative because now the big bad WWE is moving into your territory and what you like to do on TV. I agree. I think that you can look at some of the decisions that have been made on TV um, and see, you know, not saying that people are going to jump ship, not saying that people want to jump ship, but when you all of a sudden look at the emphasis placed on people who have maybe been in lesser roles, it does seem to be the case. Like, they have not shied away from the fact that Daniel Garcia has been somebody they immediately felt comfortable enough to main event their TV, right? But now in the last uh, month or two, Daniel Garcia is talking. Daniel Garcia is a focal point of... Chris Jericho and uh, uh, Brian Daniels, that he's very much involved in that in a character way. You look at a Ricky Starks and a powerhouse hop, um, who were you know primarily tag team contenders, and now all of a sudden, like they're in you know what you call a blood feud, where you're getting to see more of their personality. You know, there's definitely been a mix of newer talent being put in prominent roles, not just placement on the card, but the time that they get on TV. So, yeah, I do think there's an effort in AEW to say, 
you're important to us now. We want to showcase you. People are going to see what you're doing. And I do think that is a result of there being somebody in power in WWE who also has that same philosophy. Like, you see uh, Johnny Gargano like, all of a sudden on TV. Like, you see a champion in a prominent role with Miz. Um, so you are seeing them, you know, really put an effort into their newer talent. So I think AEW wants to do the same thing to show that's important to them as well. All right, and with Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, with the turn that happened a month ago, you see, hey, man, Ricky Starks, he's going to be on his own now. Now he's getting the baby face push. Stark Man Jones is out here. But did you think it was too soon? Because for me, I would have loved to have seen Team Taz get those tag team titles. I'm not hating on the breakup, but I just think it happened a little too soon. What about you? I think that in a company that really emphasizes tag team wrestling in the way that they do, I think that them splitting up, it would have been cool to see them with the tag titles. And when I saw them in the, uh, you know, in that three-way match, I thought it was going to happen. Like I don't. One thing I don't do the wrestlers I know, I do not ask them um, if they're going to win a match or not. <laughs> We're just going to let this one out. <laughs> I got to see time. Um, while I think it would have been good, I do think that they are very much singular talents. Um, I love what Hobbs has become, um, specifically because you know, knowing Rick. He's not doing things that I didn't know he wasn't capable of. But, you know, I don't have that relationship with Hobbs. And so, like, seeing Hobbs coming to his own, seeing Rick doing what he's doing, I do think they're going to function really good as singular talent. And while it would have been, like, a cool match on the belt, I think for the both of them going off on their own sooner than later is better than them kind of treading water with something like that title when their destiny is different things like that. All right, another blood feud that's going to be on this card. We've got Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. And this is something that the long-term storybooking of AEW, wow, you got me because I didn't even think about why Christian would have a beef with Jungle Boy. But as soon as he made the turn on him, it's been fire ever since. So what are your thoughts on Christian Cage and Jungle Boy? Um, Christian Cage is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, being ring work, being uh, mic work, um, just like they kept the charisma stuff was real to me. Right? And I think that him working with Jungle Boy has definitely brought out the edge in Jungle Boy. There's no question about it. His attitude's grown. Uh, the way he talks about himself is grown. The way he approaches the ring is even different. Um, I think that Christian being like, look, I'm just using you to get this money. And that's why I'm at my career. <laughs> it is like, very grounded and very realistic. So I'm, I'm excited to see it because Christian just doesn't miss when it comes to his healing stuff. And so him playing the card of, hey, this isn't that serious. This is just business. I'm really interested to see how that plays out in the ring. I really want to see that. That should be fun. Again, we're talking with Cameron Hawkins from The Ringer here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Now, AEW, with their booking, it's been it's been great. Like, I have been one of those people, hey, AEW, you're going to have to show me. And since their inception, they've shown me week in and week out. The tag team title picture, Swerving Our Glory of the Champs, going to be taking on the acclaimed, who are now... Baby faces. I didn't think that it was going to work. Hey, but they they get Billy Gunn on their side, and now the acclaimed are getting cheered. I think that the raps that that's that's really what put them over. Because did you what did you think about the raps when they were first coming out with Max Caster? Oh, they were terrible. They were absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, and I, I made a joke uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like it's not Max Caster's fault that whenever he does the punchline, they cut to an old white guy saying "ooh" in the audience. Like he can't control that. But what I will say is, uh, when I went to go see them the last time in Austin, I think the acclaim was a part of the, uh, they were a part of Dark. And he comes out and he's cutting those raps, and the crowd is going crazy every line. I said, you know what? 
regardless of if I like it or not, it's working every time, and that's what matters. And if you see uh, Max Caster specifically when he does like indies and stuff, he is very much the biggest deal in the room, and not because he's trying to make himself the biggest deal. Like the kid does have that charisma, and so while those raps aren't good for me, the enthusiasm uh, that he has, the enthusiasm that Bowen has, and then being super athletic, like the whole thing works. Like it ain't it ain't always for me, but the whole thing absolutely works. All right, and then now with them coming because I think that this tag team title match here it came out of it came out of nowhere for me. Swerving our glory, this is going to be their first time defending these belts on a pay per view for AEW, and I don't know who the challengers could have been because obviously don't put them against FTR too soon, too fast. But what do you think about the matchup against Swerving our glory and the acclaimed? Yeah, literally going with the number five contenders, um, like top five being that you actually made the list. I think it's a really interesting move. But like you said, um, I do not think that you put this still kind of new tag team into the very specific ecosystem of FTR, of the Young Bucks. Like, I think that you avoid that early on. And so, yeah, I think it's a good match, a way to get, uh, you know, guys on a pay-per-view card. You put them in there with two of your really young, big, strong, athletic guys. And so... You'll get to see how fast Swerve is. You'll get to see how strong Keith Lee is against guys who can make their moves look really good and guys who can get them their, own, their own offense and look really credible. So, yeah, I think starting with the number five is good. Um, wow, that while FTR is sorting out their business, while you have the Bucks going for the trios titles. So when it's time for them to compete with those teams, everybody's in a better spot. I agree. All right, Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho, this is something that's entertained me. Because you have that battle against sports entertaining, being sports entertainers versus professional wrestlers, and Daniel Garcia, where they almost want to have the custody of Daniel match on a ladder, as WWE <laughs> did back in WWE, I mean, with, with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. So when it comes to not only the fate of Daniel Garcia, but just this match, what are your expectations? Because Jericho in the past year and a half has gotten into such good shape that I'm not saying he's prime Jericho. He'll never get back to that. But, man, Chris Jericho's looking pretty good in the ring. Yeah, you're going to see, I don't know if he has 1,004 holes, but you might see 
But we all saw the, hey, Eddie Kingston, he's been suspended for two weeks because basically he tried to attack Sammy Guevara. And then you see, hey, the Young Bucks, where it's a little bit of that speculation. I don't like to feed into too much of what Jim Cornette says. But when it's like, hey, I think that the Young Bucks dropped the titles to avoid FTR because they're so hot. And Tony Khan having to call a talent meeting backstage in AW. What do you think about all the backstage drama that's going on with AW right now? I think that because of how AEW was presented as this big happy fan, I'm not specifically saying that like that's all Tony Khan's doing, but you know, a way that talent talks about being in a new place when they've been in places they didn't feel were great. I think it set up unfair expectations for people to think that this would be a place that would not have normal workplace issues. Because, you know, every workplace has that. It's just kind of coming to a head, and again, those expectations of this never happening, when they do happen, I think that that's really what caused the issue. But, you know, Eddie Kingston is a singular personality um, that you have to know how to deal with. The Young Bucks are um, singular personality, and you're just never going to have a locker room where everybody's satisfied because everybody doesn't want the same thing for themselves or each other. And so I don't think it harms AEW in a way that is any type of real trouble. I just think that, like like you're saying, like we're talking about, like things are easier when we don't uh, present the backstage drama as something foreign or unrealistic, but also don't gas it up to the point where people have to react to it. Like, this is normal. This is what happens. And, you know, backstage politics exists in every locker room in every company. Um, it's just because people were made to think that they wouldn't exist here there's this big spotlight on them now. Uh, but, yeah, you're still getting Eddie Kingston and Ishii. Like, you're still getting the elite probably versus Dark Order in this match they've been building up in different ways for two, three years. So it's still working out this time. Yeah, it's still working out, but I feel like sometimes fans just want a little too much of the backstage politics. With CM Punk, I don't need to know that he's that him and Adam, him and Adam Page are beefing. Like, for me, it's... I don't need it as a as a fan when I'm watching the show, but with CM Punk, him and John Moxley for the AEW Championship, it almost took a little bit away from me. It's like, oh, I have to worry about now that oh, CM Punk, he's going up against John Moxley, not Adam Hangman Page. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think that people forget what it is that they appreciate about CM Punk. <laughs> like, you forget that you know all the things that he said against WWE while he was in WWE, we found those as charming and endearing and fighting the system. But now when you get the same personality in a different company, somehow he's doing something wrong. You know, this is, this is who he is. Like, you know, a change of scenery can affect things like your tan. <laughs> but that, it really doesn't go too much further than that, right? Like, this is just, this is normal. And like you said, I don't need to know who he's having a problem with going into a match or in a match being adjusted. I want to enjoy the match. Like, I want to know why what I'm watching is good, not why something else would be better or worse based on how you feel. I agree. And, yeah, there's this that line between fan and performer fan and organization gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And it gets thinner and thinner and thinner when you say everything's unicorns and rainbows when it's not um, because then they want to know more information. But I agree. I do not need to know that extra information to enjoy it. Um, and as somebody who gets extra information, I don't let that affect what's happening between the bells because like, what I'm watching is a show. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to know what actor doesn't get along with which producer. I'm watching a show. I want to enjoy the show in the moment, deal with the other stuff after. Yeah, Cam, thank you so much for joining me here. Only a few more questions before I let you go. And again, we're talking with Cameron Hawkins from The Ringer. Now, that main event, who do you got? Where do you think AEW is going? Because after the squash last week, I thought, oh, man, CM Punk, he's hurt, and they're just trying to get the title off of him as easy as possible. But last night, he cuts the promo all out in Chicago. Where do you think AEW is going to go there? Um, I think that CM Punk wins, but I think CM Punk wins uh, through some nefarious deed or somebody joining him. Um, I just, you know, Moxley beating him as decisively as he did um, I think that running that back a week and a half later in order to keep Moxley strong, I think you have to go in there and, and do something to where there's another party interfering or some technicality, especially since if you watch the run, Punk hasn't been, like, dominating people on his way to the title. Punk was um, finding ways to get his mojo back, like finding ways to overcome all. And in a lot of cases, there's people younger than him that he should not have been able to hang with, but being a steady veteran he was, he kept finding a way on his own. And I really think that, you know, the culmination of that story is not Punk ultimately playing the dragon that is Moxley. I think it's ultimately him having to give in to the fact that he has, um, you know, downfalls, that he has shortcomings, and, you know, using that to not only, you know, have this next run, but when he's talking crazy about people, to make that hit hard. Like, when he's saying his truth about people, to make that mean more in the moment, but less in his truth. Like, again, yeah, I think somebody sides with him or joins him in a way that Punk is strong, but now all of a sudden you have this high-level heel that you haven't had in a while. All right, going to get you out of here. I want to talk a little WWE with you. Roman Reigns, Clash at the Castle, Drew McIntyre, What's going to happen there? Because I feel like Roman Reigns just can't lose at this point until WrestleMania comes around. What do you think is going to happen with Roman and Drew? Agreed. Like they're, they're, you got some nice video packages out there. Um, <laughs> some nice video packages. We see Drew growing up and, and Drew, you know, beat me on. And Drew coming back to be great. That's all well and good. Drew is going to lose at Clash in the Capitol. And a very, very good <laughs> match, but it just ain't Roman's time. Um, yeah, I think I think that run does go, like you said, at least until WrestleMania. Um, it's going to be fun, but it's, you know, it ain't, this ain't Bulldog and Brett. Uh, this is different. And I think that, yeah, Drew loses, but, you know, Drew's a, a top baby face. Losing to Roman um, really does not hurt you. Um, he's going to be fine. But, yeah, he ain't winning this. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then Sami Zayn, the honorary Oos. What have you thought about this storyline, and maybe is he going to join Kevin Owens? Is he going to turn on Kevin Owens? Didn't want to hit his best friend in the chair, in the head with a chair on Friday, on, excuse me, on Monday Night Raw. But Sami Zayn, a part of the bloodline, where do you stand on that? Because for me, it's the best thing in WWE right now. It's really, really fun. But, you know, Jay is going to, eventually Jay is going to have enough, man. Jay's going to have enough, or Sami's going to catch Jimmy, who he thinks is his friend, saying something cross about him, or Roman talking about how he was just using Sammy to motivate Jay or something like that. And, yeah, I think you get Sammy and Kevin Owens um, together. Um, yeah, but it, it's been fun. Like, he was so fun on Friday. He was really fun on Monday. I can't wait uh, yeah, to see exactly what's next to Sammy, but he's been great. But, yeah, I do think that him and KO end up getting back together or getting together properly for the first time, probably as a face team 
um, and probably getting those bag titles off the of Uso. All right, and last one for you. I've got to ask you about this. Your rival on Twitter is back. A live reaction video that you've really anticipated. I've never seen someone with such a one-sided rivalry give so much props to the rival. I mean, so oh, tell me, could you just break this down for me? I know I know people don't know what I'm talking about, but you do. So can you break down this Twitter rivalry that you have? Okay. So uh, a gentleman called the Wrestling Otaku. Um, he is a young man out of the Baltimore area of Maryland who is a YouTuber um, and streamer. Uh, it's super fun. Um, you know, very into AEW, not so much WWE. Gives us his musings on things like wrestling, things like anime, things like dating. Just really, really fun. Um, I find him endlessly entertaining. I don't think he finds me quite as entertaining. Um, but, you know, I watch all the YouTubes and I watch the streams and I, you know, I try to show love when I can. And I think he thinks that it's a joke to me. And I'm like, no, oh, I'm really a fan. Um, and so he hasn't always said the most kind words about me. Um, he feels like I might owe him a dollar or two because he uh, was my most popular Twitch stream at one moment. But, oh, man, I'm rooting for the guy, man. And people say things like, oh, he's, he's negative, and he says this about this person. How can you support? I'm like, guys, we all support things that aren't necessarily good for us. Everybody loves a bag of chips. Everybody loves some candy. Everybody loves the soda every now and again. My candy. My soda. So, yeah, um, that's something <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait for your reaction video. I'm excited, man. Um, I hope you're listening to this. Um, I wish you the best in all your success because I know you wish me the same. Absolutely. Oh, man, I had to ask you about that. All right, Cam, <laughs> man. I know you're a busy guy. I know you've got a lot going on, but tell the people what you got coming up next. Um, so next, um, ooh, that's a great question. Um, you can absolutely catch me every week on the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast Cast on the EastCoastCast.com uh, covering the week in wrestling. That is Wednesday, 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central. Um, I also stream that on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Seahawk, T-E-E-H-A-W-K. Uh, right now, check out my article on The Ringer entitled Ricky Starks, The Sound and the Fury. Uh, my interview uh, covering basically Ricky Starks' uh, rise and really his last six months uh, in AEW, um, getting ready for his match against Powerhouse Hobbs at AEW's All Out this Sunday. All right, man. If there's anything else that I need to do, get some plugs in. I know you just hit them all, but thank you so much for joining me here today, man. This has been a blast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless. As well, that was Cameron Hawkins from The Ringer joining me here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Man, that was a blast to see someone that you really just know from Twitter, but finally get them on the show. And it's just, man, to bring that personality here to the show was a real fun treat. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And that's going to do it for us here today on The Fight Game. You got UFC Paris coming up. I mean, that's going to be explosive in the heavyweight division. Where it happens next in the UFC heavyweight division. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva. That's going to be exciting to see. October 29th. I'm circling that on the calendar right now. And WWE. What's next there as Clash in the Castle is coming up soon. But this Saturday, it's going to be all out. AEW's. Next pay-per-view in Chicago, CM Punk, John Moxley, headlining the show. It's going to be a fun one. I'm your host, Damon Cotton, and this has been The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Remember, stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody.